All right, are you ready to get into this? So grab your Bible or whatever you use for your Bible. I use my phone, it's always with me. I do have, you know, leather bound Bibles and all of that, but grab whatever you use because here at Faith Family Church, we believe in reading our chapters every day and this confession will actually help you to, to read your Bible throughout the week. So grab your Bible, hold it up and make this confession. Say this out loud, this is my Bible. Come on, some of you all didn't say it. Wait a minute, let's start over. Come on, I want you to do it. I want you to say it out loud. Your family and friends might be around, but I want you to say it out loud. Say it out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession that I will meditate therein both day and night, on a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening, Monday through Friday, and because I do, my life is blessed. It is no more a mess. Now, everything I touch, come on, everything I touch turns to success. If you believe that, I want you to shout hallelujah Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As we're before you, Father, we thank you for an anointing to be upon this message, that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be by demonstration of your spirit and of power, that our faith not rest in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. We're open to the operation of the Holy Spirit to touch every person that's connected and watching at this moment. We thank you, Father, for your hand upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, I am really, really excited. Um, this is Covenant Keeper number five, and, and it's our series finale. And the title of this message is friends don't let friends go to hell. Now, let me tell you about this title. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it a long time ago. I can remember hearing it. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. And I, I've got wine and bread here. And even though I would love to talk about Christians that drink alcohol versus Christians that don't drink alcohol, I'm going to have to take that subject up on another day. But we are going to have an amazing time in the Word of God, especially um, if you have anybody in your life that's not saved. This is what I believe God is saying. Friends don't let friends go to hell. And this is going to be a deep message. At the same time, it's going to be one that you can immediately apply in, apply in your life. And so um, uh, let's get ready to have an amazing time in the name of Jesus. You know, this series has been and is about covenant relationships. And there are some relationships that we have in life uh, that God wants to talk to us about right now. And I believe some of the relationships that you have may be covenant relationships and you, and you may not know them to be such. So anyway, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 22, and we're going to look at our golden text as we get ready to close this series out. In Luke 22, verse 20, it says this, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. You know, we're reading a moment in scripture where Jesus was having the last supper with his disciples and they had bread and they had wine. And, you know, he told him, this is the last time that I'm going to drink the, you know, the, the, the cup with you until, you know, later in, in the future. And speaking specifically about the cup, as he held up this cup of wine, he said, this is not just wine. This cup represents the new covenant that God is making with his people in my blood or because of the shedding of my blood. And of course, he said, it is shed for us. So in this series finale, um, you know, we started out five weeks ago. We've called the first one Stranger Danger. If you didn't get the first one, go back. You can watch it. You can you can connect with us. You can listen online on our on our Web page. But, you know, the Bible talks about individuals who were strangers to the covenants of promise. And it could be in your life right now that you're you're not aware of certain covenants that you have in your life and then covenants as it relates to the scripture. You know, the Bible is literally broken up into two parts, the old covenant and the new covenant. And so through this series, we've been covenant minded. So we talked about there's a danger in being a stranger to covenant. We saw that God made covenant with Noah, you know, the rainbow. And, and that, that was a literal blood covenant that God made with Noah, with the shedding of those animals blood that were sacrificed. Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with David. I don't want to take the time to teach the whole message again, but if God could make covenants with these men that, that weren't even born again, but believed in him, how much more for those of us that, that, that have accepted Jesus, he could make covenant with us. <clears throat> we also defined covenant in being an agreement, a solemn agreement uh, where promises were made between two parties and that it is only breakable by death. I mean, so a covenant is a very, very serious thing. We don't hear very often about covenants today. I mean, we, we make contracts or we make agreements. We hardly ever make covenants, but we see that it is a very serious matter. You know, after that, our second message was called the blood covenant. And, and, you know, thousands of years ago, especially at the time of the Bible was written, they made not just covenants, they made blood covenant. They made covenants in blood. You know, you can hear about African tribes that would, you know, cut a covenant and, and, and mingle their blood together. And then we see that God uses Jesus's blood to make a covenant with anyone who believes in Jesus. And then, uh, of course, the last time I was with you, we talked about another covenant, the marriage covenant, which is a, a type of blood covenant between a man and his wife, a husband and a wife. They have a covenant before God. It's not just a legal contract. It is a legal contract. You know, the state of Texas or wherever you are right now, you know, when you enter into a marriage it's not just something on paper in the realm of the spirit. That is a covenant agreement before God, which should be until death do us part. Um, and so we looked at that and very we got a chance to talk about sex or a better way to say that we got uh, we got a chance to talk about the act of becoming one. 
Amen. All of these you can go back and listen to. Of course, last week, Pastor Travis, he talked about our covenant relationship, not only with God and Jesus, but also we have a covenant relationship with the Holy Ghost. And it is a relationship with power. Praise God. So there are other covenant relationships that we have in life. Yeah, we have a covenant with God and a covenant with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And obviously, and if you're married or ever going to be married, that is a covenant relationship. But my assignment to share with you today is that there are other covenant relationships that we can have in life. And uh, my challenge to you is to help you identify what may be covenant relationships so that you could be a covenant keeper. You know, the Bible talks about that in the end of days, there will be people that will be covenant breakers. But our challenge in this entire series, as we bring it to an amazing close, is to challenge you and I that when we have or make covenant in life to be a covenant keeper. And that's what I challenge you. Identify the covenant relationships that you have. And then most importantly, keep covenant. So it's rare, you know, but if you are in one, then you'll want to be a covenant keeper. I mean, you may be able to count on one or maybe two hands, the kind of covenant relationships, you know, of course, God and Jesus, etc. But then if you're married, that's another. But and it's rare. You may not have a lot of these, but if you have them, it's important to know what they are and then to do your part to keep them. You know, these things are intended to be like till death do his part. And that's life and death serious. So I pray that you grab a hold of this. Now, for example, you know, one of those kind of relationships that that you may be very familiar with are like godparents. You know, the basic idea of a godparent. I mean, we, we've got two boys and, you know, it's just natural and people do it for, you know, cute reasons. But back when this idea was created, it was for covenant reasons. In other words, if something were to seriously happen to both parents, that uh, assuredly there would be somebody that would step in and would be parent to this, this child or these children. You know, so that is inevitably a type of covenant relationship that you may want to be aware of in your life. Um, and, and, and not just for a, a cliche, oh, that's my God mom, or that's my God dad, or, or these are my children's godparents. But but there are some kinds of relationships that should be able to go a little bit deeper. Come on. I pray that y'all help me get this out today. This is so good. Now, check this out. An example of a covenant relationship like a grandparent or, or a godparent. This one came to me. So I've been in ministry for many years and I've never heard this used as an example of the kind of relationship that came up in my heart. I believe this is the Holy Ghost. Do you all remember when G I mean, Jesus is there dying on the cross. All of the disciples fled. But John, the one, the disciple, the Bible says whom he loved, one of the 12, he was right there. There were several women that, that were at the foot of the cross right to Jesus's last breath. John was there. His mother was there and a couple other ladies were there. And in John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, when Jesus therefore saw his mom, his mother, and the disciple whom he loved standing by, I mean, this is at the last moment of Jesus' life, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. 
Then he said to this, to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Wow. The Holy Spirit is so amazing to be able to give us insights and, and truths into the word of God that impact our everyday life. I mean, essentially, he's saying, John, this is your God, mom, so to speak. I mean, the, the, the God parent is not in the, that terminology. He's not in the Bible. But here's some evidence. Of, he said, now, now, even though now watch this, even though this is not your flesh and blood son, I want you to love him like a son. And even though this is not your flesh and blood, mom, I want you to love him. And John did it. And, and Mary, she did it from that hour forward. He made sure that if anything came up that she needed. Now, you know, she's got sons and daughters. And now understand this. Uh, when we talk about covenant relationships, uh, we're a family church. That, that's in our DNA, if you would, to use that term. It's who we are as a church. We believe that family is important, right? We're also a covenant church. And I want you to know, as we'll see through the word of God, in life, you'll have family relationships. And you'll also have covenant relationships. And they're different. Family is family. And that's deep by itself. If you want more about that, just go back about a month or two and look at the message called We're a Family Church. God's expectation is that brothers take care of brothers and sisters take care of sisters and moms and dads take care of their children. That's expected. But when someone comes into covenant relationship, they're not your blood. And, and, and they're, they're vowing, as it were, life with you. That's a special relationship. And you may have those kinds of relationships in your life right now. And God wants to talk to you about some of the relationships that you currently have, because some of those folks may not even be saved right now. And here, let me hit, hit, hit you with it again. Friends don't let friends come on. Forget about driving drunk, which is important. But friends, most importantly, don't let friends go to hell. So now check this out. There's another example. Well, you know, we, we see it in everyday life. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, a, a, a non-family member may be asked to be a power of attorney for, you know, someone that, that may be ailing in their health. Well, notice, I mean, that, that, that's a covenant relationship. That's literally a legal composition um, that, 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 that is, is very binding in, in both a natural way and also in a very spiritual way. You're, you're taking responsibility as it relates to someone else's life. That is an example of a, a, a covenant relationship. And guess what? If you've been in, invited into certain types of relationships uh, beyond these that I've named, but they're, they're very significant. My challenge in you is to be a covenant cape, be a covenant keeper. God forbid, you know, you be left responsibility for a will or, you know, for an estate and you do something different than what was asked of you. Come on. That, that's being, that's being a traitor essentially. And the Bible talks about traitors and, and people that betray, uh, you know, other people. And so again, God is speaking to you. God is challenging you to think broad and think beyond this that you see and see if there are in your life other covenant relationships. You know, here's another biblical example of a covenant relationship, at least I believe. You all remember the story of Ruth and, um, you know, her mother-in-law, they're not blood related. You know, she married 
her, you know, her husband is, is Esther's, uh, no, I used the wrong name, but, um, she, she, her mother-in-law, her son's daughter, her mother's law, like go back and, you know, go to your own people. And, but listen to this, Ruth makes a covenant vow to her mother-in-law and she says in Ruth chapter one, verse 16, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Don't, don't, don't force me to leave you or to turn back from following after you for wherever you go, watch this. I will go. That's covenant speech. That's a promise. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. She said, and, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. See, a, a covenant is a promise. It's an agreement and it, it's tied to the severity even of death. She's making a vow and a pledge and a promise that even though we don't, we don't have blood relation, I'm, co I'm covenanting with you that wherever you go, I'm going. Where you stay, I'm staying. Even though I can go back to my own blood relatives, I'm covenanting with you to be with you. Maybe you've got some folks that you grew up with. Maybe some people that you went through some extremely tough times. Maybe just, you know, your best friend growing up in life. And, and they're your people. I mean, you, their family is your, even though there's, there's no blood relationship. Listen, God wants to talk to you about that because come on now, friends don't let friends go to hell. See, yeah, you grew up with them and, and, and you were really close and you all are, as they say, thick as thieves, right? But you're saved and they're not. God wants to talk to you about that relationship. I believe there's a covenant responsibility. See, you came into the knowledge of the truth, or even right now, you may be coming into the knowledge of the truth, but listen carefully. Friends don't let friends go to hell. And, and a lot of times in life, we have these unique, powerful relationships. We may not acknowledge them as a covenant. We may, you know, certainly, we haven't shed blood with these folks, but we hold them very seriously and very dear. I'm, I'm thinking of folks in my life. Like I said, it's, you know, you're not, I'm not talking about your fake friends. I'm talking, <laughs> you know, like yeah, a lot of people have a lot of so-called friends or, or Facebook friends. I'm talking about people that are very close to you and you're very close to them. And I challenge you, especially listen to me, because if, if you're not saved, you might find yourself palling around with them and interacting with them like everything is okay with me being saved and you on the road to hell. Listen, that's not okay. If you love, listen, friends don't let friends go to hell. Let, let me give you a little bit more on this. As you can see, I'm just like really excited about it. All right. So even though Ruth didn't have any blood relation with Naomi, she had a covenant-like connection with her. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, it says that a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, there's two, two parts of this in this, this scripture. Number one, he that has friends. Now, I'm asking you again. I'm not talking about associates. I'm not talking about co-workers and people that you're around. I'm talking about 
individuals in your life that you call and consider a friend. That if you are in a bad situation, I know you can call your family, or at least you should be able to. But outside of your family, is there somebody in your life that if you were in a tough spot that you know that you can call them and even though it may not be convenient, but because of the kind of relationship that you have, I'm, I'm thinking of several individuals that I love so dearly. If they call me in the middle of the night and they needed help, I mean, I would do everything that I could to help them. Many of you watching right now, man, you know, love you guys dearly. That That's a very powerful relationship. And he says that he that has friends. So I want to talk to you today about that friend. Okay. Secondly, in this verse, he says, there is a friend. There's a kind of friend that, that sticks closer than a brother. Now I've got two flesh and blood brothers and a whole bunch of spiritual brothers, but particularly with my flesh and blood brothers, I mean, there have been times in life where we were getting along, times in life we didn't get along too well. And, you know, thank God we get along great today. And, you know, all my brothers are saved and loving God, loving their spouse. I love my sister dearly. But this verse ought to get your attention, especially if you've got good relationship with your natural born family members. Right. Because you know how tight that family bond is. You know, as they say, you know, I guess in the street, <laughs> As they say, blood is thicker than water, right? I mean, so you feel me with that. But now check this out. And, and, and if you've ever had a friend like this, you know exactly what the Bible's talking about. There's a kind of friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's powerful. And I, I'm asking you to respect that, especially if that friend is on the road to hell. You see, one of the things that, um, so we're going to talk about your friends uh, for a moment. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 3, we have another biblical example of a kind of friendship that goes beyond a family bond. The Bible talks about David and Jonathan. And in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 3, then Jonathan and David, the Bible says, made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. I mean, in other words, they have, you know, they ended up, David ended up staying with their, their family. And even though they're not blood brothers, they made a blood covenant. Now, I believe there was a scar. I believe they, they literally made a blood covenant because that's what they did back in that day. And, but I, what, what I want you to see, though, this is an example of two non-relatives entering into a relationship that, that, that really ties them together for life. You know, the Bible actually tells of, uh, you know, they made another covenant in, in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 16. And they made another covenant yet again and, and made pronouncements. I'm going to do this. One of them in 1 Samuel 23, 18 or 20 and 16, he said that Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. We know later on in David's life, after Saul and Jonathan died, David wanted to, to look out for Jonathan's family, found his, his son Mephibosheth and brought him in and treated him like his own family. Like, again, like that, that's a God covenant kind of relationship. And I believe so many of us have those kind of relationships. God is saying he's talking to you about this today 
um, because you have a covenant responsibility. You should be keeping covenant where they're concerned. So this is indeed another biblical example where non-relatives enter into such relationship. You could say they were friends and certainly they weren't fake friends, but essentially we call, you know, we don't have, you know, have a covenant. We don't make it official. We don't go through these lengths that they did then. But today we would say that David and Jonathan were the best of friends. This is the kind of friendship that can even get you in trouble where your own family is concerned. Again, the Bible says that there's a kind of friend, man, that, man, when your brother's giving you a hard time about it, man, you like, all right, man, well, you know, you're still my brother, I love you forever, but, you know, I need this. And so you end up calling that friend that, 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 I mean, even when, oh, I know I'm talking to somebody right now, even when your family didn't come through for you, they were there. And that meant something to you, right? And in the same way, you're the same way. If their family couldn't come through for them, but, but we got a problem here. Because this kind of covenant relationship can end up actually causing trouble in your own family. And we need to make sure that we have the balance here. One of the, I've counseled marriage, I do counsel marriage, marriages for years. And oftentimes, uh, in, in different states where I've been in ministry, even now, um, there's times when one of the concerns of a wife is the relationship. I told you, man, you got to share this, right? Come on, man. Your friends need to hear this, right? Some things that concern a wife is the relationship that the husband has with his friends. I mean, where, where, where the wife isn't actually feeling neglected, that, that he's not carrying out his marriage covenant responsibilities because of this, this other so-called so friendship. Now, I don't have the time to, you know, sort that out and, and, and to give advice. And of course, if you need counseling, there's professionals out there. I believe I'm a professional. I've got certifications in marriage counseling. We can help you right where you are. But I challenge you to carefully hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you today about this relationship. And I can tell you flat off, off the top, if you're hanging out with your buddies and they're getting drunk and getting high and they're running around and, and, and they're whoremonging and doing a lot of evil stuff, the Bible says that evil companions corrupt good morals. Man, I'm, I'm preaching good. The, the, even in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we looked at this in a previous series. Um, we were talking about what kind of church are we and you know what kind of person are you? And we used two passages of scripture. We talked about Amos 3 and 3. How can two walk together except they be agreed? You know, and if you're buddy-buddy with this guy, but you believe in God and he doesn't believe in God at all, you need to question your commitment in that. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, and read this chapter, especially if you've got friends, so-called, that are not saved, as so many of us do. In 2 Corinthians 6, God says, what fellowship has light with darkness? What communion? We're about, we're about to have communion. And in some of our cases, we are sitting down breaking bread, and some of us are literally drinking wine with people that are on a road to hell. And there's something wrong with that. As a matter of fact, when you read 2 Corinthians 6, God says, Come out from among them 
and be separate, says the Lord. I mean, takes over. I mean, Paul is writing to the church, but God takes over and he says, I'm telling you, you need to bring yourself into proper alignment in this relationship. Now, here's a fine balance that I want to give you because I believe friends don't let friends go to hell. If that, that guy, if that girl in your life is a true friend, that the bond is like a covenant relationship and they are not saved, then hear this. The Bible does say in James chapter uh, four and verse four, he says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, from the time that I was young and, and growing up and I had friends that were not saved and, you know, grew up in church, but, you know, wanted to hang out. And I, I would hear youth pastors and, and, and church leaders talk about this verse about not, you know, being friends with the world. And then as I became a pastor, you know, as a young adult, I mean, it comes up and, and particularly in, in conflicts, in family conflicts and marriages, it's like, hey, you know, this person's running around with unsaved folks and, and, and they're not doing right. You know, and their, their, their bad influences are, are infecting them. There, there's a fine line. Jesus, he broke bread and, and, and kept company with quote unquote wine bibbers. So again, he didn't keep, he didn't only run with Christian folks. He ran with publicans, tax collectors. He ran with sinners. But he's, seeking <laughs> to save that which is lost. Those that are already healed don't need a physician when they question him about the company that he was keeping. I'm not, and, and, and through this, I don't really want to take time to teach that message because I'm, I really need to teach this message about covenant keeping, but I, I don't want you to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The bathwater needs to be changed. If you're hanging out and hooking up with folks and they're on the road to hell and, and you've got a strong bond and relationship, something does need to change and God's talking to you about it through his word, through this message today. Are you getting this? So heed what the spirit of God is saying. He's saying, come out from among them and be separate. If your old school drinking buddies back in the day, um, they shouldn't be your current day drinking buddies. Like I said, uh, we can talk about wine on a different day. There's a bunch of folks in the church that not talking about faith and talking about the body of Christ worldwide. There's a bunch of folks that think that is, there's no problem drinking and there's a whole bunch of people, you know, that don't drink at all. Like myself, I don't drink at all. Uh, I will tell you this. Um, I, 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 when I was a teenager, I started drinking and I, I, I would get drunk as a teenager. Okay. Um, but then I got just so turned on to God and, and the call of God stirred up in my life. And, and even though I know all the scriptures or at least so many of the scriptures that are in the Bible about alcohol and so forth and so on, just out of a choice, I don't drink. And, and I'm not condemning anybody that does. I can tell you this, though. You know, if you're getting drunk, the Bible says God says be not drunk with wine. OK, so we'll cover that and we'll look at that on a different day. But, but what I'm trying to tell you is. If you're hanging out with folks that are living an ungodly lifestyle and you're fellowshipping with them 
as if you're one of them and you fit in, something is wrong with that picture. James says, don't you know this? That, that, that being a friend of the world, and it could mean worldly people, but it could be the, the, the love not the things that are in the world, as, as John talks about. But, but friendship with that is an enmity with God. And he that is a friend of the world makes himself an enemy. God, I believe God is telling some of us we need to recalibrate. Oh, I'm speaking to some young people right now. We need to recalibrate how we connect with some folks. They ought to know that you love God and that you're going to heaven. And you can still uh, have such a tight bond and be there. But again, let me, now I need you to say it. Friends, come on, help me say it now. Friends, don't let friends go to hell. How irresponsible would that be? <laughs> you know, you grew up with them. You know, again, thick as thieves. You're on the road to hell, on the road to heaven. And they're on a path to hell. And you don't do anything. To, 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 to wave a flag. Let me move on. There's another type of covenant relationship, and I'll get ready to conclude with this. Don't unhook. But you know, there's another type of covenant relationship that you should be aware of. And that is a covenant relationship with spiritual authority, like your church or your pastor. In Genesis chapter 14, and, and, and this is where my, my sermon illustration kicks in real big. So if you've got your Bible, let's look at one more passage before we finish up. In Genesis 14, in verse 18 to 20, to, through 23, it says that then, then Melchizedek, king of Salem. So this guy, Melchizedek, he's a king. He's king of Salem. He brought out bread and wine. And he was the priest of the most high God. So not only was he a king, but he was also a priest. And he blessed Abram and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave him Melchizedek a tithe of everything. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I will, take, I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich." Now, I have got to talk to you about this passage of scripture. Now, just to set the story, and when we read our chapters, we'll get the whole picture. But Lot was taken captive because he was with the, with the folks in Sodom and five different kings and, and so forth. And so Abram goes up with a small group and defeats these armies and delivers Lot and he gets the spoils from that battle. When he returned from this battle, the first thing he did is he went to see the king of Salem, who was also the priest of the most high God, so that he could give him a tithe. Now watch this. This is not a message about tithing, but it absolutely fits here. Abraham, without any command from God, we know from previous teaching, Abraham decided, you know what, God, you've been so good to me. Everything I get, 
I'm going to always take a tenth of it and give it to God. First off, I want you to know that tithing is a covenant issue. A lot of people in the church don't tithe. God still loves you. You're on your way to heaven. That's good. I, I believe that with all my heart. But there's something very significant and sacred that you're missing. And, and you should be able to see some vestiges of it here. Abraham, without a command, God didn't command him to give him a tithe. He just chose to do it. And like so many of us, we choose to give 10% of our income. Notice this in this passage, tithing is actually a covenant issue. It's, it, it's an individual that says, as a covenant with God, in our covenant, God, I know you're going to bless me. I know you're going to prosper me. I know you're going to protect me. I know that you'll redeem me. If, if I ever get in any trouble, God, I know you've got my back. My part is this. What can I do for God, right? Brother Jock Nash ministered this to me, and I believe he's got an amazing victory story that he's going to share. But one of the things that Jock said was, in, in talking about tithing, just on one and one, we, we had lunch, and he said, Pastor, I get to give God a tenth of everything that I have. And just how honored, I mean, he just appeared to be so honored that he got to, in, in other words, to do something for God. Not that God needs us to do anything for him, but that God allows us to do this. And so it's, it's, it's a covenant issue. So notice this though, another element of covenant is bread and wine. Think about it. In Luke 22, Jesus breaks out the bread and the wine and starts talking covenant. And here, Abram returns. He, he, he's bringing in the tithe and the king comes out and he's like, yo, yo, Abraham, we're about to turn it up. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, why? So uh, I'm making light of this, but I want you to imagine being in this moment. Why is he bringing bread and wine? It's symbolic. It's ceremonial. This is a covenant moment. You see, what, what I didn't see and know before is that there's a covenant relationship between Abram and Melchizedek. Essentially, he was like his pastor. Or that was spirit, what represented spiritual authority as the, the church is for us today. And I want to talk to you for a moment because especially if you're a part of a church, you need to know that that is a type of covenant relationship. Even though you don't have to sign your membership certificate in blood and, and you don't have to cut you know, and, and shed blood and mingle blood with your pastor, it should be considered. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, God, for helping me share this message. It should be considered one of the most sacred relationships in your life. You have a covenant with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You, you have a covenant with your spouse. You may have other covenants in your life, but you should also have a covenant relationship with your church or with a pastor, with someone in spiritual authority where that person commits to you and promises to you certain things. I mean, the, the, the Bible obligates those of us in ministry that we watch for your souls. Every sheep needs a shepherd. You might be watching me and you might be visiting right now and you don't have a church home and you don't have a church pa a, a, a pastor. 
And, and I challenge you to know that, that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw people who didn't have a pastor. Is that you? Some of you all have been visiting for so long, but you're not an official member of any church. I, I, I challenge you, go from being non-committal in certain relationships in life to making a commitment on the level of covenant, where it's almost like, you know, man, you couldn't get me away from you till death do its part, right? And 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 that's the kind of relationship, you know, people sometimes says, you know, well, God has me in this church for a season. Well, ouch, wow, that's a little bit different than what I see about a a relate a, a relationship that 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 God is ordaining. Listen, you know, one of the, the commitments into the the to there have been f- folks that are right now watching me. You've heard me say to you, my calling is to help you fulfill yours. I'll run with you as fast as you want to run. I won't run from you. I want, those were covenant promises that, I, that, that I'd run with you. I wouldn't run, run for you. I wouldn't run against you. I'd do everything in my power to help you be all that God has called you to be. What is that? That's my part as your pastor. And then there's your part. Amen. There's a covenant exchange. And that's what happened in this moment. I mean, you know, you you see the elements of it. Abram said, I've lifted up my hand before God concerning some things. What is that? That's covenant talk. I'm not going to do this and I am going to do that. Thank you, God, for helping us today. So as I close, I close with Philippians chapter four and verses, verse 15. And this is in the New Testament. And right now I'm, I'm concluding on another kind of covenant relationship and that is with, with spiritual authority or, or your church or your pastor. If you don't have a church home, I believe God is inspiring you, challenging you. I'm inviting you. Let's make it official. You know, coming up on May 17th, we're bringing all of our uh, membership classes online. So even if you're in Iowa, say what's up to the Bizak family or out in Arizona or in Virginia or in Atlanta or in Georgia and Florida and all over the country where, where you're watching this right now, if God is saying that you and I are supposed to be connected together, I may not have officially met you. I may not know you by name yet, but God's been dealing with you as he's been dealing with me about partnering together. You see, there's a lot of people going to hell and there's a lot of people connected in your life that's going to hell. And in my covenant relationship, when you connect with Faith Family Church and it becomes, you know, your point of connection spiritually as you begin to feed from God through Faith Family Church, we want we want those that are in your life to be saved. That's why I've been telling you to share this like this. And if you have not shared this by now, come on, you got to get this message to show up on your on your on your news feed so that one of your covenant friends can hear this. And they can all of a sudden decide, you know what? I've been watching. I've been watching you for a while and I know you serve God. I know you go to church religiously and and I believe God is talking to me and and I'm going to come over to your side. Last thing in the world is you want somebody to pull you out of Christ into the world. But you should do everything you can to pull your friends, these covenant kind of people into Christ. Amen. In Philippians chapter four. In verse number 15, Paul says this, Now you Philippians, you know also that in the beginning of the gospel, 
when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now I know this, this verse is specifically talking about a church that financially supported Paul's ministry. And so many, again, at Faith Family Church, you bring your tithes and your offering consistently. We are a blessed church. But I don't necessarily want to talk to you about that part of this verse. I want you to notice he said, no church shared with me. That word shared is very unique. It comes from a Greek word that means to come into communion and fellowship with to become a sharer or to be made a partner. See, I see you as a covenant partner and I have my part to do and you, you have your part to do. I'm more concerned about my part than I am yours, but through this, I believe the Holy Spirit is helping both of us concerning our part. Let's make it official. If we're supposed to do life together, let's get it done. Another definition, it means to enter into fellowship, to join oneself as an associate, to make oneself a sharer or a partner. You know, maybe you already have a church home. Maybe you're out of state and you physically go to another church, but you keep, you're just drawn to keep connecting and coming back. I believe that God has connected us together in a sense and that we can make it official. I challenge you. In a covenant, there are promises and there are agreements. I want to be able to know if, if you see me in, in that light as a spiritual authority, amen, so that we can start this journey. So that I, as I've committed to others, I, I can promise you to do everything in my power to help you fulfill God's will for your life. I'm a very loyal person. And so this has been a very easy message for me to preach. I challenge you. Be a loyalist, don't be a traitor. Friends don't let friends go to hell. Now, before I close, if you're watching me right now and you know God's been dealing with you the whole time, the word is near you, it's in your heart, you know you're not saved. You know that if you were to die today, you would go to hell. Can I pray with you? And then after that, you know, I wanna take communion with you. Amen. I wanna be able to share with you the bread of life. Bow your heads with me. And if you've already made Jesus your Lord, repeat this and pray this, and I believe you'll reaffirm that covenant relationship. Say this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he died for me, bearing my sins for me, they put him in a grave, but I believe he is alive. Come into my life. Lord, save me from my sins. I repent for all my sins. And I accept your offer of forgiveness. Therefore, I am saved. I'm born again. Heaven is my home in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Woo! I'm excited. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Hey, this is a covenant relationship, right? Because you just got born again. Will you please let me know 
so that I can do my spiritual part. Just write in the comments, you know, um, you know, uh, text the word Jesus to uh, 713-903-8533. Someone will put it in the comments or you can just comment right there. Just let us know that you want to connect. Just text the uh, type in the word connect. Someone will reach out to you. But more importantly, we'll begin this spiritual journey together in the name of Jesus.